Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Well, we got NBA a trade. It's August. Thought it might slow down. Uh-uh. A blockbuster. Sort of, kind of, maybe. Clippers trading Pat Bev, Patrick Beverly, that pest, that fly who won't get out of your face. Trading him, Rajon Rondo, the bricklayer himself, can't shoot. Daniel Oturo, not even sure who he is, to the Memphis Grizzlies for Eric Bledsoe. Well, this is a nice little salary dump because you know, this is this is what's interesting to me. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. Ballmer's got more money than obviously the proverbial he knows what to do with, but they would have been in the luxury tax big time. This deal saves the Clippers thirty million dollars in luxury tax, and it also creates an eight point five million trade player exemption that they will have a year to use. So what that means is, I think what it means anyway, as we get near the trade deadline in uh, February is when it usually is. I think that's when it's going to be back. Obviously, it was later this past season because everything has moved up. But I think that at that point, uh, they have the flexibility to make a deal to get somebody out of the buyout market. And that could, depending on who it could be, could be a significant addition for them. So... Bledsoe is going home, so to speak. You know, he was drafted by the Clippers in 2010. Spent three years, his first three years with the Clippers. They weren't what they uh, are now or thought to be now. Two-time member of the all-defensive team. He'll play a significant role in the rotation. I would assume that he would be a starter. And the trade also gives the Grizzlies salary cap flexibility. uh, Not, well, in the next summer, since this summer's just about over as far as NBA goes. Bledsoe's guaranteed $3.9 million of the $19.3 million in the last year of his deal. Memphis has 16 guaranteed track contracts now. He'll be open to trades. You like anybody? Pat Bev? Rajon Rondo? So it was a significant move, I think. Uh, and Beverly was pretty good for the Clippers during his time, but Reggie Jackson had taken over that spot, right? Yeah, we saw Reggie Jackson do his thing against this, the Jazz in the playoffs. So, I think the Clippers, I think they maybe got a little bit better. The Grizzlies, uh, they're not done with their moves. See what they come up with. So, that was a significant deal. And the Heat, Udonis has him. He just won't go away, will he? He's going to come back. He's 41 years old. And he will return for his 19th NBA season. And he signs a one-year deal worth about 2.8 million bucks. That is your NBA. Let's move on to the Jazz. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Well, dreams die hard, man. It has been a tough time. Every championship aspiration for the Jazz has come up short. The latest 
The Jazz lose to those pesky Clippers. 94-90 to in the Summer League. And the way this thing is concocted, that eliminates them playing for the Vegas title. Who was it? Trent Forrest said he was disappointed. Tough to deal with. They had been 3-0. and The Clippers pick up their first win. The Clippers knock them out again. Those dang Clippers, every time you turn around, they're knocking us out. They're putting us into the offseason. First it was the one that counts, then it was this one that doesn't count. But it meant something to these younger guys. Trent Forrest, 18 points, 5 assists, 4 boards, two of f- uh, 4 from 3. That's good. 2 of 4 from the free throw line. That's not good. And uh, Azabuke, nice summer for Azabuke. 18 and 10. Five offensive rebounds. That's what I like. Offensive rebounds really do it for me. Yeah, I think you have to. Majerus used to talk about how offensive rebounding shows your athleticism. Defensive rebounding, you don't necessarily need it. If you block out and are fundamentally sound, you should be able to get a fair amount at his size. But offensive rebounding, you got to move around a little bit, rebound out of your area, go get a ball that's maybe a couple spots over, so to speak, underneath the basket. So Azubuke has... Six, five offensive boards, continues to really struggle at the free throw line. And I just can't see how the Jazz could play him anything close to where it's down the stretch. Six of 11, and that, that just that just doesn't look good. The form doesn't look good. Nothing about it in my mind looks good. That is free throw shooting. And I'm not surprised he's shooting 11. I think teams would foul him. Plus, he's pretty active. So overall, and playing 26 minutes, I think he had a pretty good summer. I was impressed with Elijah Hughes, too. The kid that they drafted the year before out of Syracuse in the second round. 17-7. and seven, uh, Four of nine from three. That's nice, right? I remember when we had Jim Beheim on the day that uh, the day after. Or a couple days after. I don't know if it was literally the day after the draft. But he thought that... When he signed off on Balters? Isn't that when he, didn't he come on and said, love up Balters, the, the Italian restaurant? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yes, 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 yes. That's the voice of Lloyd Cole. We got what is known as the B team this morning. (laughs) That's what you get. Uh, Yeah. And yeah, you're right. He did. And he had obviously been here over the years. And yeah, he did. He was talking about that place. And I once interviewed Bayheim. I was working for the Watchdog. They sent me down to do a thing, or I created the idea. Go down to Vegas and do something on all those uh, summer tournaments that they have. And they're at one of those high schools and it had the regular gym and then it had an auxiliary gym. The auxiliary gym was through some doors and it was much smaller. High school gym, regular size. And so everybody and their dog was there, right? And I thought uh, I'd get some comments on some players, or not players, but just the idea of how important the summer league was and all that. So I walk into this auxiliary gym and Bayheim's sitting there. And I stand there and say, hey, coach. He doesn't look at me. I said, do you mind if I uh, ask you some questions about the importance of Summer League being out here while the game's going on? He still doesn't even look up at me. Go, well, he didn't say no. So I start, I ask him, what, what's he going to do? Just ignore me like I'm not even a human being standing in front of his face? So I ask him a question. He never looks up at me. He gave me, gave me in-depth answers. <laughs> I was a little bit nervous at the start because I didn't know uh, what to expect from him, but he, he handled it, gave me the interviews, and I, you know, he could talk as he was watching the games. Because a lot of that is just to show up, make sure the kids see who you are, 
and everybody knew who Jim Beheim was. I saw Mike Shashevsky once in the uh, lobby door area of the South Point. Not so you walk in and then there's a double doors. So he was right there, chatted him up a little bit. So they all go to that thing in Vegas. So the Jazz Summer League is done. Brantley, he played a little bit for 14. Uh, Morgan didn't play, had a left half hamstring strain. So now they're done. I'd imagine, oh, and they started, they signed uh, Teague, the kid out of Baylor. A Rule 10 deal, they announced that yesterday. I think, as I understand that, and I may not be fully, uh, what's the word I'm in? What's the word I'm looking for? Fully abreast of the knowledge. This is another word. I can't think of it. But as I understand it, it's basically an incentive now that they can give him money. Is it 50 grand or something? So if he gets an overseas offer, he'll have some money that he can weigh over here versus whatever he's going to get over there. And so maybe that gets him here in the summer league, and maybe not the summer league, but the G League, and they like him and can possibly develop him down the line. So we'll see. And we know they've got uh, the kid from uh, Butler signed him, the rookie, and so he should be getting. I think they'll be quiet for a couple of weeks here, and then the players will start gathering around <clears throat> Labor Day and have some pickup ball heading into the start of training camp at the end of next month. It's going to be here. Excited to see what the Jazz can do. All right, let's move on right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag college football. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we helped some guys out. Um, obviously, the guys with a lot of um Got some really good work. I thought it was really good work for the quarterbacks. I got I got to review everything and, and really impressed with everybody. I, I there's a lot of good things, but I, I think we had some really good opportunities to see our guys, how physical we are, and how uh, well we can tackle, how uh, how we block. Um, and then it was good to see some of the running backs be able to break some tackles and see the DBs make tackles. So uh, overall, I thought we got everything we needed. Um, obviously, I had some guys get banged up, but nobody out for the year. So we'll just keep working with it. <clears throat> that's Kalani Sataki clearing his throat right there at the end. I probably would have added that part out, but that's just me. <laughs> Everybody had scrimmages on Saturday. Still a couple of weeks away. We entered th- the week three of training camp. Most uh, schools got started, what, uh, the middle uh, two weeks ago on Wednesday. I think the Cougars went on Thursday. So we are approaching the third week. Scrimmage time on those Saturdays tends to be it. Everything is shut down nowadays. You used to be able to go, but not so much anymore. So you've got to do a little extra work on the side to figure out what's going on. I have done that. We'll be able to talk about the quarterbacks. That's a big deal. Really, uh, all three schools up and down, uh, up in Logan. Start with them. Man, this is true. They racked up 609 yards of total offense. Jeez. Blake Anderson. Man, let's start calling him Coach Leach. New coach in Logan. And Logan Bonner, he bearing down on the starting job. He went 16 of 20. Legas 14 of 17. So the Aggies putting up some yardage. We'll see if that continues. As the fall camp, training camp as I like to call it, progresses. Uh, BYU, first, their first scrimmage. 
Now, no decision on the quarterback. We're going to have Jay Drew here at the bottom of the hour, and he's going to handicap, handicap that longtime BYU beat writer, first for the Watchdog, now for the D News. Uh, I got thoughts on that. And Kyle Whittingham saying neck and neck. What does that mean? Now, today, uh, Utah has media availability. I don't think BYU has it until tomorrow. So with that in mind, maybe he can elaborate a little bit more on that as far as, well, what does neck and neck mean? Does that mean they're virtually tied at all times? Or does one guy have the lead and then the other day or the next practice after that practice, rising steps up? The way I view it now, uh, I think Brewer is a slight advantage over rising. But don't count out rising. Don't count on. Don't count him out for sure. Same thing at BYU. I think it's going to be difficult for a kid like Conover to get that starting job. He has not played at all. Went on a mission, and then with the pandemic, I think he came home somewhere along the line. So it's been a while since he's been out on the football field, going back to his senior year down there at Chandler, Arizona. And so my guess is that he would be ranked a third. And then the battle between Hall and Romney. Right now, I would give an advantage to Hall. But he's got an injury issue in the history. So Romney, I think he's viewed as a steady guy. And they know what they can get from him. So he has a chance to play. Even if he's not named the starter, he needs to be ready to go. That's for sure. Because I think he's going to have an opportunity to get on the field at some point whether through another injury or whatever it might be. And I don't wish injury on anybody, so I'm not saying that. So you don't know what's going to happen there. But there is some some excitement as they extend on. I think most of these schools are having another scrimmage uh, on uh, this coming Saturday, and they'll get some further information. I would think that in the next week you've got to nail it down because what's today, the 16th? So if I math is correct, what would next week be? The 23rd? So then you'd be, that would be the last week. And normally they like to shut that down and give an extra amount of preparation, particularly for BYU playing Arizona. Uh, and Utah plays on the Thursday, even though it's Weber State. Obviously they should win. It's a higher level that the Utes play. But I don't think they're going to carry it that long because their game week, if they waited to the actual week, would be short and they're not going to do that. So I would think around this time next week, whether they tell us or not remains to be seen. I think they've decided that they needed to be coy for some reason. I don't understand it. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but they do. And if they think they have an advantage, so be it. All right, that's your local college football right here in 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag NFL. The NFL, we had some scrimmages or preseason games as they're known. And a lot of locals, a lot of locals in action. Start out with, get this, Lloyd. I am guaranteeing the 2021 Rookie of the Year, Zach Wilson. You mock me, you laugh, you scorn. I think you're going to be spot on, PK. (laughs) You are full of crap. Now, do they do they have rookies of the year in each conference? Is that the way they do it? I think they do. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, we could could take the AFC, I guess. Yeah, stiff competition. Obviously, right there, Trevor Lawrence for one. Uh, Lawrence was a 
rocky start, they said. Now, Zach Wilson, he had that scrimmage that they had, 20,000 Jets fans there in the Meadowlands, and he didn't do too well. Well, he did pretty well in uh, the other night. He was 6 of 9 for 63 yards. All right. Man, that's good enough. The way I look at it, all these guys, Jordan Love, now he had a shoulder injury, and MRI came back clean. He's saying they're saying, looking at it this morning, listening as I was driving into work this morning on the national show, saying that he might be off this week. He only had three exhibition games or preseason games. They stopped uh, one in, in favor of the 17th, the regular season game. So maybe he doesn't play this week, but gets back next week. They need to give him opportunities to play. Uh, for the opportunity to show what he can do for them and also for the league if they decide to trade him, if somebody views him as an integral part of their franchise, whether it's with these guys or not. And then also, too, the Taysom Hill-Jameis Winston battle. Now, that is not, obviously, uh, rookies. Uh, Jameis uh, came in, and, uh, and if you just go by statistics, uh, he looked better than... Taysom Hill did. And Sean Payton said, I'm not making any comparisons with the quarterbacks right now. Doesn't matter who played better with six turnovers, right? Yeah. They struggled in that department. And each quarterback threw an interception there. So you got to worry about that. And was it uh, like, for instance, Hills, all the BYU defenders with Taysom Hill, uh, he got his signals crossed with the receiver Ty Montgomery. I think that's the kid out of Stanford. And, oh, I love this. The San Montgomery sat down in the zone. They don't really sit. You stand. But they like to say that. They sit down in the zone. And Hill expected him to keep running. And so it was the same thing with Winston. He threw a deep ball to Humphrey. It was underthrown. Bounced off Humphrey's hands. And safety caught it. And Hill was 8 of 12 for 81 yards. No touchdown drives. And that interception that I speak of. Winston was 7 of 12 for 96 yards and he let him on two TD drives so if you think that is something that you can read into Winston had the better day but I saw something uh, as the weekend was approaching or maybe it was after Saturday's games said be very careful on making pronouncements and they had a little headline that they clipped from way back when and it said Leaf outduels Manning now we have the history on that and Leaf may have outdueled Banning in the preseason, but he did not outduel him when it mattered, obviously. Ryan Leaf was the big time bust, and Peyton Manning was a Hall of Famer. And I'm not sure that there's ever been, and you can help me out of there, my brother Lloyd Cole, has there ever been a bigger discrepancy between the number one quarterback drafted and the number two quarterback drafted? Now, what I mean by that is not necessarily they went 1-2. Obviously, in the Manning-Leaf case, they did go 1-2. So that is something unique. But no matter when that second quarterback was drafted, has there ever been a different discrepancy? Now, you can go Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers, but that's not close. No. Uh, Smith had a representative career. There might be, but not that I can think of. Yeah, between the first and second quarterbacks taken – between Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf because it was a big debate at the time. Manning, Leaf, Leaf, Manning. And obviously we know the Colts went with Manning and he became a Hall of Famer, all-timer, all-timer, absolutely. You can't argue that. And probably the best quarterback in that game, by the way, Tyler Huntley. 
He went 12 of 16 for 79 yards. There you go. And uh, seven carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Yes. It was a different game, but uh, yeah. He did, and he's battling the kid from Penn State. Who was it, McSorley? For yep. the backup job to Lamar Jackson. And Huntley, good for him, man. Good for him. Undrafted free agent. Uh, underspoken dude a little bit, but had a great senior season. Was very accurate. And uh, so it looks like he's going to make that team. That would be his second year. I mean, last year he got in the game because there was a bunch of injuries and it was a crazy year and all that. But now in his second season, looks like he's going to make the team. And that's most important. Get that paycheck in the NFL. Good for Tyler Huntley. All right, that's your NFL right here, 97.5, 1280 Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. MLB, Saturday night, get a load of this. Making his first start ever, Tyler Gilbert. Kid out of the Santa Cruz area in Northern California did go down the coast and play baseball at USC. Makes his first major league start against the Padres, no less. First major league start. What does he do? He freaking throws a no-hitter. I don't know if you saw it. His dad, I was watching it live. His father up in the stands, sobbing like a baby. That's the eighth no-hitter of 2021. Ties the ninth, the 1884 campaign for most no-hitters. Now, in honor of DJ, we're going to have a bunch of stats. Gilbert's first career start and fourth game overall. He's just a fourth pitcher to throw a no-hitter in his first career start. Can you name me any of the other three? You can't? Bobo Holloman, Bumpus Jones, and oh, Fiat. Yeah, Fiat. Yeah, yeah, October 15th, I, I, on 1892. And Theodore Breitenstein, October 4th, 1891. Now get this, Lloyd. Lack of experience just wasn't confined to the catcher or the pitcher. Dalton Varsha was the catcher. It was his 28th career start. There are 27 combined starts are the third fewest entering the modern era since 1990. Only Don Wilson and Dave Adlish in 1967, or Kent Merker and Javi Lopez will get a little more current in 1994. And did you know that this was Tyler Gibbett's first complete game at any professional level? Did you know that? Did you know that was the third no-hitter in Diamondbacks history? The first at their home stadium. Did you know that? Wait, who has it? Who has the other two? I gotta imagine the unit has one of them. A complete game, perfect game perfect against game. the Atlanta okay. Braves. I think that was like in 2004, and Edwin Jackson. Somehow, uh, Edwin Jackson got one against. Uh, I think it was uh, Tampa, maybe. Okay, I was thinking it was going to be the unit and Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. No, Kurt Schilling had to leave the game in the seventh inning to go campaign for right-wing politicians. All right, and uh, so we had fun with that. How about Fernando Tatiste? He was out, missed a bunch of games. He's had the shoulder injury, so he comes back yesterday against those very same Diamondbacks. What does he do? Oh, my goodness. I put him in right field. 
So maybe take a little bit more of a grind off a shortstop. And he goes four for five with freaking two home runs. 32nd and 33rd home runs. Oh, my goodness gracious. He is a big-time stud. Big-time stud. Absolutely. Cleveland almost had a perfect game. Uh, the kid uh, McKenzie pitched it into the eighth, but he did not get it. And tonight, Garrett Cole is going to come back for the Yankees as he was on the list from COVID and couldn't play. And how about this? Honus Wagner baseball card sells for $6.6 million. Oh, my goodness gracious. That is a ton of freaking cash. What are you selling your Honus Wagner for? <laughs> uh, my Honus doesn't draw that big of a bonus. I've got I've got a few that I can get some money with, but I, I investigated it over the winter, and they they rate them and they have what is it called a T rating or something I can't think of the name, and they they, they it's the condition of the card and somehow rookie card isn't as it means more than the second I got a what I think is a primo Nolan Ryan in the Mets uniform, but it's his second year. But I, I sent a guy told me that who deals with this, he said send it in and they give it the PSA rating. And that's what it is, PSA rating. And with uh, the uh, pandemic and all, it backed up to like uh, up to a year that it could take to get this. So you send them the card and then they give you the rating back. So I haven't done that yet, but I've got a couple of pretty good ones that I think I'm not going to get anywhere close to that, but I think you can get something. All right, that's what's training. We'll talk about the BYU football situation with Jay Drew next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. on this Monday, August 16th. Something significant happened 67 years ago today. We'll get to that a little bit later. But joining us now is our man, the man who is got it all on the Smart Rain guest line. There you go. I don't see anything else to read here. If that's it, I'm good to go. Joining us now from the Deseret News, Jay Drew. Jay, Give us the lowdown on the starting quarterback for BYU. And if you tell us it's Jaron Hall, I'm going to think you're going to be a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice setup, PK. Uh, yeah, that's what all indications, everything's pointing to. Um, obviously, they're trying to, you know, keep it, keep it mum or, or uh, keep it under the vest, whatever the cliche is. But, uh, yeah, I – I think uh, right now all signs are pointing to him as the starter. How big of a gap do you think it is between him and what I think is Baylor Romney with the idea that Conover, they can't afford to put him in right now uh, given the schedule that they got because he hasn't played football in a good while. I don't know what class he's in. I guess he's still a freshman, but he literally has no playing experience. I don't think he got in any games last year. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, I mean, he hasn't anything meaningful, whereas Romney has. So how far do you think the gap is between those two? 
I think it's very, very um, minuscule. I think if it was a bigger gap, you'd, uh, uh, you, we'd probably, uh, they'd probably say, hey, this is how it is. You know, it's, it's over. I don't think Aaron Roderick is really into playing games maybe as much as, as, uh, you know, coaches he's worked under in the past. I, I think when he knows who his guy is, I think he's going to go ahead and share it. So, um, so having said that, I, I think it's, I think it's still really close. I mean, Aaron came on uh, on the Zoom call with us after the scrimmage Saturday, and and he said, you know, it's uh, there's not a lot of separation between these guys, um, but uh, but I think he also knows the value of of getting a guy, naming a guy, having all the teammates kind of get it into their heads that this is the guy, and kind of roll from there, and so I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if we find out this week. To be totally honest with you. Yeah, Jay Drew of Desert News joining us this morning. I think you're exactly right on that regard as far as what Aaron Roderick is much more of a straight shooter and doesn't really like to play games. He, If he wants to extend it, because that means there's a reason that he wants to extend it, and it's not, well, we're going to trick the media and worry about uh, so the Arizona coach, Fish, doesn't know who the starting quarterback is. Arizona's got plenty of issues that they need to worry about rather than worry about who's the starting quarterback at BYU. Uh, obviously, and Aaron Roderick isn't going to play those games. And I'm not sure Kalani's going to do that either because if I can remember back, and you would obviously know this, when it was Taysom Hill and Tanner Mangum, they made an announcement. They didn't uh, wait until we trotted out the first game at that point. They did make that announcement and say who it was. Interestingly enough, I think that was the Arizona game that was the first game too, wasn't it? If I remember, maybe my my timing is off a little bit, but they played. Yeah, I – yeah, I think so. And then I specifically remember uh, um, driving to a prep game where they announced Tanner Mangum over uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, and then obviously Zach took over midseason. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they generally will announce uh, a week to two weeks before, before uh, you know, the first kickoff. So that's what I expect them to do this year. But uh, – yeah, I don't think they'll go and have us sitting in Las Vegas, you know, watching to see who runs out to take the first nap. I think it'll be announced, you know, before then. And I think that you're right in that it is a fairly close competition, and I feel that I feel like they think that it, they have confidence in Romney. So he's been around the program. Seems like he's been around the program for several years. And with that in mind, since it is a somewhat of a close competition, and the fact that Jaron Hall has injury issues. My guess here, I don't have any particular insight, but my guess is Romney stays put because there's opportunities to transfer and all that stuff. And so, but I would think he would stay put knowing that probably a decent chance at some point he gets out on the field this season. Yeah, I had a nice conversation over the winter with, with Baylor Romney. He, he basically told me, hey, I'm here to stay. I'm, I'm, uh, he said, you don't need to write that, that I might transfer if I don't get the job. His his wife's in uh, physician's assistant school down here in Provo, um, and uh, she's obviously a former BYU athlete. Um, this is his fourth year, so I'm, you know, he's uh, he's close to graduating. So I would be stunned if Baylor Romney, if he gets the job, or even if he doesn't, even if he's third string. Uh, if he transferred. So he's here to stay. I can't say that about the other two. I haven't had that conversation with them. But uh, but but I, I think 
I think Baylor Romney is kind of the security blanket, and I think coaches know that. He's, he's a safe guy. He's, he takes care of the football. He's pretty poised in the pocket. He's not flashy. He doesn't have the ceiling, the upside that Jaron Hall or Jacob Conover has. You, you know, you, you kind of know what you're getting with him, but, but he's kind of that, uh, that safe guy that you know you always have kind of in your back pocket if you need him. All right, Jay, Jay Drew with the news joining us. This doesn't really make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway, and it won't be the first, and certainly won't be the last time I say something on the radio that doesn't make sense. But as I look at BYU's offense, can I argue that they're better than they were last year, knowing that the quarterback is the most significant player out on the field, let alone the offense? So you take Zach Wilson out of the equation, which is impossible to do, but follow along my line of thinking. I'm trying to gauge the quality of the offense around the quarterback. Can I argue, aside from the quarterback, make an argument that the offense is better than last year, even though it's ridiculous to make that argument? Uh, you know, I, 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 don't really, I don't really agree with that. I just think, I mean, Dax Milne was a 1,000-yard receiver. He's gone. Um, Brady Christensen was that uh, blindside, you know, protector. He's gone. Four or five other offensive linemen are gone. Um, they did add the Nakua brothers, which is a huge upgrade, but there's kind of questions regarding uh, if they'll be totally healthy from day one, um, the Puka and Samson Nakua. So I, I don't see it. I just think uh, Zach Wilson was that good. I, I think it's a, it's a pretty big drop-off. Uh, and you, and uh, you take Zach out of the equation. And I know they're really deep at receiver. I know they got two really good running backs and some really good tight ends that are all back. But, uh, but I, I, I just think that, that drop-off is, is more significant than maybe some people want to believe. All right, how about that offensive line? Because on the surface, I was thinking that the running game would be better, but that you have some doubts? Uh, you know, I, they've got some solid guys. They don't have a lot of depth at offensive line. Obviously, they got James Empey back up at center. But, but uh, I mean, if these guys can fill in, um, they should be okay. you got guys like uh, Connor Pay, who's really young, a freshman, um, Freeland, uh, the tackles are Harris Lachance and Blake Freeland. And, you know, I don't think they're as good as Brady Christensen was. Um, so, you know, they'll probably improve over the off season. I, I know the, the new offensive line coach, Daryl Funk, came in and he's uh, been pretty happy with what he's found. He's expressed that to the media several times. But but uh, I'm uh, I'm just a little skeptical of the offensive line. I just I just think there was a little bit too much turnover for them to, to kind of hit the ground running or pick up where they left off last year. Okay. All right. Well, you know more than I do, I think, about it. So I will take that opinion and run with it, which is so, you know somewhat kind of <laughs> ironic since we're talking about the running game. Uh, I do think if the quarterback can be – he's not going to be Zach Wilson. I, I get that. But I do think the, the, uh, the passing game – and I realize they don't have Mill in. He was a draft choice, so it's a high standard. But I think I'm waiting for Romney's brother to really break out and be a thousand yarder. And and two, they got at least two really really good tight ends that could create some serious mismatches. So maybe not on paper, but the potential anyway. I think is there to be at least have a decent offense to where you know, they can put up. 28 points a game off the top of my head. 
Yeah, I, oh, for sure. The, the, the potential is there, um, for sure. I, you know, I also, you know, I'm a big believer in Aaron Roderick. I think he'll, I think it's pretty obvious that he was more heavily involved last year in the play calling than, than most people thought, um, with Jeff Grimes obviously moving on to Baylor. But, but, uh, I, I do. I think, uh, the, everything is there. All the pieces are in place, but, uh, to be really good. But the, the schedule is obviously, you know, 10 times harder. Um, you, it's just so much more difficult this year than last. And uh, you put that factor in with a, with a quarterback who's, you know, say it's Jaron Hall, who has some experience, but is also a little bit injury prone. Um, so I'm just saying things could go wrong quickly if, uh, yeah. if, if they can't ha- be stout against some of these teams that they open the season with. Jay Drew of the D News joining us. One of the things I think you've done exceptionally well, pretty much as well as anybody or better than anybody, is dig around and find some information, whatever way that you can get that information. And we've got the season upon us here shortly, but the bigger issue is where do they stand in relation to potential movement as far as conferences go because obviously Texas and Oklahoma taking off here four years at the latest, probably sooner, and there's going to be some other stuff that's going to happen, I think, that we'd all agree there's some level of domino effect. Where do you think BYU stands with regard to that domino effect right now? Well, from everything I hear, BYU is being really cautious. They, they don't want to jump into something and then have, you know, a year later everything change. Uh, the, the situation is so fluid. I, some of my people say don't count out the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. Um, if BYU were to, were to maybe go to a conference, that might be a better choice than the Big 12 as presently constituted because I think BYU has some worry that these, the, the better Big 12 teams will be picked off by – either the ACC, the Pac-12, or the Big Ten, and leaving the Big 12 with with nothing more than, you know, the Midwest version of the Mountain West. So uh, I think that's kind of where they sit. So the only thing I would say was just don't don't rule out the American Conference. They're, they've been far more friendly to BYU than uh, at the top than, than the uh, – than the Big 12 as far as uh, presidents of those schools and and leadership of those conferences. So that's kind of the only yeah. maybe insider tip I could give you. Okay, how about this? And it's probably just speculation and talk, but the AAC not just adding BYU, but picking off some of the remaining Big 12 slash Big 8? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's I, From everything I hear, that's kind of where the battle is, is which, which conference is going to, you know, uh, pick off the Big 12 teams first. You know, if the AAC does, they might, their stature grows. They might get a better TV contract. The problem with them, though, is they have something like, something like 12 year contracts. Yeah. Uh, when all these other grant of rights uh, contracts are up, uh, like in 2024, 2025, the AACs goes to like 2032 or something mm-hmm. like that. So, so that's another factor you have to consider. The Bilt Bar thing last week, I thought that, you know, whether they you know, would they give the money to the kids, that's great. But I thought the bigger issue was genius in terms of getting, well, for Bilt Bar, getting their name out there big time, but also for BYU because it got a lot of run nationally. And the name BYU, which is already a 
somewhat of a household name in college sports, particularly with football. It just it sent a message that, hey, we're going to play big time. And so we're. this is another little piece of evidence that we're big time football. So from that perspective, I thought it was just incredible. It was a, The timing was great. And the execution of it all in terms of getting the most bang for your buck out there couldn't have been better. Yeah, I agree. It was a, it was it was a brilliant move. Um, it's kind of uh, the the latest in a lot of really good moves BYU has made. Uh, they a lot of times you could accuse BYU in the past of maybe being being too passive and kind of letting everything else to kind of dictate, and then they follow along, but. They've been really proactive, really out front of this whole uh, NIL movement, uh, player experience, um, all these different things, uh, getting the players more involved in what they want as far as their uniforms to, to look like, and, and just on down the line. So, yeah, I would agree with you. They've, got, uh, uh, they've had a kind of a attitude change, attitude adjustment or some switch where they're they're all in. It's uh, you're you're dead right on that. There, and this is just the latest to show the country, you know, whoever's paying attention that that uh, that you know they're not just going to sit back and be content with maybe you know group of five status or kind of uh, second tier status. That they're gonna they're gonna try to play with the big boys as much as they can. All right. Well, so that's the insight from Jay Drew of the Desert News. Now you're at a golf event. Uh, what's in, in preparation for the Utah Open? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, kind of a media day pro am. There's like four pro ams all week before the tournament starts uh, Friday here at Riverside Country Club in Provo. So, so Monday morning before the tournament, they usually let five or six media guys play with the with the pros and with the high rollers who put up some big bucks to play in it. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you're going to be teeing it up with Tony Romo. No, I wish. No, I got some guy named Dick Harmon, Mike Sorensen, a bunch of other stiffs. Because I heard Romo's going to participate in this, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's in it. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I think he played in it. I think somebody said the jazz owner, Ryan Smith, is also going to play in the Utah Open this weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun, too. And Maybe down the road he can get Dwayne Wade to play. Oh, there you go. Yeah, good thinking <laughs> on that. All right, well, have fun today, and thanks for joining us. Okay, guys. Thanks. Right. Have a great morning. That's Jay Drew of the Deseret News covering BYU, giving his insight as far as what's going on in Cougarville as they get ready for the big-time schedule that they've got. All those Pac-12 teams. Arizona followed by Utah. Will it be 10? Oh, man, when, once you get to 10, that is a true knockout, is it not, Lloyd R. You Cole? run out of fingers. So, yeah, I start counting on the toes. There you go, yeah, as far as that goes. All right, coming up next, we've got something that was significant 67 years ago today that I'll share. And also, Lloyd, I've got just indisputable evidence that I still got it going on. You believe that? Wait, I, I, uh, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to Gordon Monson this thing and blow through your tees. I'm just dying to hear what it's about. Oh, you will. You'll love it. You'll laugh. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 the zone. Now let's get this party started. This 
is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Let's talk some Utah football. Joining us, Van Fillinger, obviously a weird year last year. You play five games, and you, you participated in all those five games for Utah. For that being your freshman year, you're probably finding out what the real experience of being a college football player yeah. is like this year. Yeah, it was really weird last year, honestly. And the thing is, is like it's not completely back to normal yet. We still wear masks in the facility, so it's definitely better than it was last year. But it was real weird last year. I mean, no fans or anything at the games. And, you know, I'm a big, uh, like, I feed off the energy that the fans bring and stuff. So I'm real excited to get after it this year and have a full stadium. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK, on this Monday morning, August 16th. Does anybody know what happened 67 years ago today? 67 years ago today, a significant addition was made into the sporting world. Anybody guess? I'll give you five seconds to guess as you're driving to work, whatever you're doing this morning. Thanks for joining us. Five, four, three, two, one. 67 years ago today. You know what it was, Lloyd Cole? No, he doesn't know. He's dumb. 67 years ago today. You know what hit the newsstands 67 years ago today? The first edition of Sports Illustrated. Eddie Matthews was out on the cover. I wonder if that's worth anything. We always hear about baseball cards. Does anybody know if those magazine covers are worth anything? I got a Sports Illustrated, 1972, I think. Willie Mays was traded from the Giants to the Mets to wrap up his career. And I've got it at home. Is that worth anything? Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, What's my thing? P.K. Kinahan, it is. Does anybody know if any of those covers? Because we always hear about the baseball cards. The Honus Wagner card just sold for $6.6 million dollars. Here earlier. I'm wondering if, if you kept any old time magazines, particularly the covers, whatever it might be. Because I wonder I wonder what that somebody's gotta have that copy somewhere around, right? 1954, 67 years ago, Eddie Matthews, Sports Illustrated. Now it's a watered down version today. I've been a subscriber. My parents got it for me. It helped me learn to read. I struggled to learn to read a little bit as a kid, and they figured out a way. One of the nuns told him, get sports stuff, because he likes to read that. So get get on that. And so they got that for me. They got me a, literally got me a Sports Illustrated uh, subscription when I was like probably seven, eight years old. And I pretty much kept it all this time. It used to be weekly. Now I, can't, I don't even know when it is. I think I might let it run out a little bit here. Uh, seems like they're heading in a direction that I'm not interested in going. I want to stay sports with my magazines, and they have every right to go in the direction they want to go. Good for them. So I'm just wondering if, because I've got a bunch of that I've saved over the years, kept them in a box, and wondering if they're work at, worth anything. If they are, let me know. Maybe I can sell one for whatever million dollars and ride off into the sunset. All right, I told you, Lloyd, that I still got it going on, and you doubted me. I hope this is in a different way. 
than how it sounds. <laughs> so Friday night, for the first time in since February of 2020, you know what I did for the first time? Hadn't done it since February of 2020. You know what I did, Lloyd? What did you do, PK? <laughs> Went and saw a concert. Oh, okay. Oh. In tw- I, just, I, I thought it might involve a, an advertiser we have on the station, so I wasn't quite sure. No. Uh, 2020, February, I saw Miranda Lambert here at the arena. And I didn't see a concert. Now, I went. we did uh, Tim McComb and his band. Uh but a little bigger headline. Oh, don't toss that to the I side. Didn't. Come I on. didn't. I didn't. A little bit. Uh, so I hadn't seen the party a, hounds. A bigger uh, headliner since 2020, of February of 2020. I normally don't go that long without seeing shows, uh, but I did. And Friday night, we went out to USANA and saw Dirks Bentley. Now, I'm not even sure. You know who Dirks Bentley is, right? Yeah. Kid for, I actually grew up in Phoenix a little bit. He announced that, and he mentioned that during the concert. And me, and man, I didn't think it was going to be that crowded, but it was jammed. Whatever that thing holds, it was pretty well close to it. So I took my wife and a 16-year-old. We hiked it out there, and we are on the grass. And we got to move up because uh, people in front of us, a couple had a knockdown, drag-out, verbal brawl right in front of us. And she eventually picked up her blanket and stormed off. Probably some alcohol was involved. Because they were going at it verbally, man. Just letting each other have it. <laughs> it's right in front of us. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing uncomfortable about that at all. Yeah. You couldn't help but notice it. So we took their vacated spot and moved up a little bit. So got about 10 yards closer to the stage. Well, during the show, uh, about midway through Dirks Bentley, I had to go to the bathroom, right? And they got uh, walked down the right side on the west side of the amphitheater. And they've got tons of porta potties out there, right? So I go to the bathroom and I'm walking back. And I had had uh, this thing you know, happens occasionally, you know, with the TV stuff. People recognize you, and they want to PK you, so you chat with them. One guy was funny, and he was chatting me up big time, showed me pictures, video of the practice the day before for BYU football. Shows me Jaron Hall throwing a nice touchdown pass. And then insisted on wanting to buy. sounds like better access than we, than oh, we get. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was right there. Yeah, you, he showed me. He, he, was, he basically filmed part of the practice and showed it to me. And so I was, I was being nice. Riley, Riley Green was performing uh, one of the two warm-up acts. The only problem is I know two Riley Green tunes, and this guy was talking to me during those very two tunes. Uh, so I didn't get to enjoy them as much. But he's telling me all about this stuff. Uh, and his deep connection to BYU football. But then he insisted on buying me beer, and he had beer. So, you know, somewhat a little unusual, the BYU fan with beer. And I told him, I, I don't partake in public. So, uh, and he, of course, his, his next question. Yeah, you like to drink by yourself. I get it. His next question, are you Mormon? And I said, well, I'm going to keep my religious affiliation to myself. Uh, 
So, uh, but that was that was interesting. So, I'm coming back from going to the bathroom. I start to walk up the stairs, and they, they got a bunch of uh, places to buy beer, alcohol, uh, food. So it's like a little courtyard area, plaza of all this stuff. And I'm walking back, and it's well lit because it's at night, uh, especially in that area. And I see this young gal. She's just smiling at me. She's standing there with an ear-to-ear grin as I'm walking, and I, and I have to walk right past her. And she's smiling right at me, and I could see it for like 10 yards as I'm walking. She's got the biggest grin. She maybe, maybe tops was 30, but I would say more like early 20s, probably 25 at the most, right? And she's smiling at me, and I'm looking at her, and she's still smiling. I start to walk by her, and her head turns a little bit to the right as I'm walking by. Uh, uh, What is going on here? So I stop and say, what? Well, I got boog hanging. (laughs) She's smiling at me. And she's got two friends with her, and I mean, a big grin, like it was my daughter or something. And so I stopped, and I said, what? And she looks at me, and she says, improving that PK still has it going on, she says, you're my ex-boyfriend, aren't you? <laughs> what? <laughs> My soon-to-be ex-boyfriend? No, what? She thought I was her ex-boyfriend. Oh, so you're looking young. That's okay. what, That's the point. Yeah. All right. You know, and I did get a little duded up because we were going to go out in public, you know? I wouldn't say, you know, the female version of dolled up, but, you know, I, I got duded up, yeah. I got duded up a little bit, make sure that I was looking okay. Uh, and I looked at her and I said, no. She said, yeah, you are. You're my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, young lady, there is no way I'm your ex-boyfriend. And I walked away. Wait, was was Jackie with you? No, I was by myself. Oh, okay, all right. I was just making sure. I was like, no. Oh, that'd be uncomfortable too. No, no, no. I just said, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I just got up and... And because I figured I'd go now in the middle of the show, and then I wouldn't have to worry about having it go or holding it in. When the show's over, you want to hit the the uh, parking lot because it's crowded. You don't want to be in you know the uh, traffic. So uh, no, I went probably about uh, two thirds of the way where the show was done. But Lloyd, this young gal in her twenties thought I was her ex boyfriend. So. <laughs> Well, he must have been handsome then, I guess. I, I, I'm telling I guess. you, the rest of the show, I was feeling mighty good. And you, too, will be feeling mighty good because we've got a great guest, and I am going to light him up coming up next. So stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.